solo and group clinicians alike are buzzing about Therapy Notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals. With live customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and an extensive feature library, Therapy Notes is sure to streamline your workflow, giving you time to care more and worry less. Try them for two months free using promo code MODERN today. Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm. And I'm Katie Vernoy. And today we are talking about therapist self-care. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. I realized that in this topic, it's pretty relevant. We're all needing more self-care right now with all the amazing and awful and chaotic things that are going on in the world. And so I'm, I'm really glad we're talking about this today. What is self-care? I think there's actually, interestingly enough, a little bit of a controversy over what self-care is. I know you probably have more of a formal definition, but mine's kind of prosaic. It's taking care of yourself. It's making sure that you're doing what you need to do to be healthy, to be happy, or at least be reasonably positive in the way you're interacting with the world. What's your definition? I went to societyforpsychotherapy.org and they define it as the things that we do to promote our emotional, physical, relational, and spiritual wellness, which seems to be a pretty all-encompassing type idea of how we take care of ourselves and the things that we as therapists can run into burnout if we aren't taking care of. The, the reason that I said it might be a little controversial is that I know that there are some folks who will see self-care as kind of this decadent, luxurious thing of going to a spa or getting a massage or or those kinds of things. But I think in truth, my opinion is that self-care is a required, absolutely necessary tool in our tool belt to make sure that as therapists that we can do the work that we need to do. And I would think that all of our ethical codes, regardless of the type of license that you might have, does hold that we have a duty to monitor our effectiveness as therapists to be able to best provide services to our clients. And so if we're lacking in one of these areas, if we're not emotionally present, if we're not uh, physically able to uh, work with our clients, whether it's illness or physical injury or Uh, If we have things going on in our personal life that is distracting us from being able to work, it's not only something that affects the work with our clients, but is really something that the ethical code strongly suggests that we work to prevent. Yeah, I, I believe in that wholeheartedly. I know that there are ethical aspects to it. And I'm sure in some cases, if you're really not taking care of yourself, there could be legal aspects to it. I know in what used to be called the spider pages, there's a lot of clinicians who are getting in trouble, losing their licenses, putting their licenses at risk from drunk driving or from substance abuse or poor choices, which oftentimes can happen 
when we're not taking care of ourselves. I know for me, I, this is something I always talk about, but I think when we sacrifice our own well-being for the people we help, we end up becoming really burnt out. We have compassion fatigue. We can be really, really horribly impacted by vicarious trauma. And I think self-care is really the key in being able to make sure that we can show up and be present in a healthy way and continue to do this work long-term. Otherwise, we just can't. I remember being in grad school and hearing about the importance of self-care and really never having anybody direct me towards what self-care might look like. It was just kind of thrown out there as this, make sure that you're taking care of yourself. And it, young, naive therapist in training, Kurt, was like, well, I'm not dead, so what might self-care sort of look like? I have trouble imagining you young and naive. <laughs> 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 but I, I think I had the same thing. I, you know, I was definitely and still remain an overachiever, someone who has always been wall to wall busy. And so the idea of self-care was something like, I'll get around to it. I'm in grad school. I've got my practicum. I've got, you know, other little side jobs that are helping me to get through grad school and my practicum. And so tr thinking about time for self-care was, was a fairly foreign concept to me in grad school. As for me, and especially as I look at my friends who ended up going into different fields, uh, just how different our professions are and, and the different tolls that it might have on us. For instance, uh, some of my friends who went into law or engineering might have a more typical nine to five type day to where they're going home in the evening, they're able to be with their families, to go out with friends, go to concerts or movies on a regular basis, where a lot of times my practice is just starting to ramp up in the afternoon and I might work into the evenings a lot more. So a lot of times what ends up happening is they invite me to go out to events and I'm like, no, I've, I've got to work. I've got to you know, pay my bills. And they're going to all these fun and popular type events that I don't necessarily get to jump into. So it's important for me to take care of myself in other ways. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's so many ways that our profession is kind of counterindicated <laughs> and it's not even the right word, but it's hard for us to do self-care in the same way as other people do because yeah, our, you know, we have to work when other people are available. And so we're working evenings. Some of us are working weekends. There's also kind of an all-consuming aspect of it because of how critical the work is that we do. We're, we're hearing people's stories. We're feeling a responsibility for the mental health of our communities. And so it is hard to shut off when you're, when you're a helper. It's hard to turn off at the end of the day and say, oh yeah, well, I'm leaving that at the office. I think that there's some of that that can happen in other professions, but it feels different when it's a, a human interaction, a human that we're worried about. And so I know, especially in one of my first jobs after well, both after my bachelor's and after grad school, I found myself having difficulty shutting off because I was hearing these stories and feeling so overwhelmed by the trauma that they had experienced. And so it was something where I was experiencing that trauma and, and kind of working in survival mode versus having the, the grounded participation in my life and in positive self-care practices. One of the things that I remember most during my early training is just how exhausting it is to sit and be present and pay attention for several hours in a row. Yes. And that it's something that even without the trauma, without the big events going on in life, without the, the things that happen in the news of just being 
in somebody's presence and paying attention to them and sitting there and thinking about where could this possibly go? When do I talk? When do I intervene? When do I plan ahead? When do I make a joke? When do I listen? And Mm -hmm. when I'm not listening, where am I going? So it's a constant monitoring that does become easier and easier with more practice, but also with more practice and engaging in that type of self-care. I find more and more that I don't have that energy naturally all day long. That the the further that I go into my career, the more that I actively try to have a couple of quote unquote easier sessions between clients who are bringing in more difficult clinical work. If I can balance out my schedules of not having several difficult clinical material clients in a row, then it allows for me to remain present and engaged with everybody who comes in. It's making sure that I take breaks uh, during the day and really schedule the time for me not to get behind on notes or me to not get behind on returning phone calls or emails. I think that's so important. And I know you have a group practice, so you're you're seeing clients and you're also managing clinicians and making sure that everything's running. And so what you've described is something that I think a lot of people struggle with. And I think even for myself, I don't have a group practice, but I have a couple of businesses. I'm, you know, I have my therapy practice and I also have a lot of consulting that I do. And what I find is is in talking to other clinicians as well as in my own practice, there's that that kind of running and, and just adding and doing more and, and filling up and, and seeing a schedule as imminently fillable and not really paying attention to the energy levels. And I think especially later career folks or mid to late career folks are finding that they're just so busy because they have a certain amount of success and there's so much to do. And that's where the burnout and the lack of self-care can come into play. And and then people, because they don't have the same level of energy to be so mindful and focused in the conversations in the room, will often become less clinically effective at times. And that's really not good. Right. And it's not even something that has to wait until mid-career. I see a lot of grad students. I see a lot of pre-licensees who have their responsibilities to their classes, the homework that they need to do, working countless hours at internships, going to supervisions. If they're making money at all, it's not very much. So they're maybe balancing that out with another job. And this is all while still trying to figure out who they are as a therapist, figure out who they are as a person. And they might be going through things like dating, and getting married Mm -hmm. and launching their own families in addition to launching their practice. Yeah, I even think to a lot of the clinicians that I managed in community mental health, you know, they had a single job, they were working full time, and they were getting a decent salary or semi decent salary, there's a whole other conversation around that. But what I saw was people running and running and running and trying to squeeze their life in and have even even the tiniest bit of self-care seemed so daunting to them because they were chasing productivity so much so much documentation to do and so being strategic and planning how they managed the day making sure they had time for self-care that stuff was it fell off the table all the time. It was reacting and responding to the crisis of the day and grinding and grinding through notes and, and sessions and productivity and billing. And, and so I think it's something that really can hit at almost any stage in someone's career where they can let self-care fall to the wayside because of you know just being so busy or so consumed by this work. Notes not only combines billing, scheduling, and notes into one easy-to-use software, they now also offer group telehealth, up to 15 clients in a group session at a time, 
and secure messaging features. And with their 24-7 customer service, they're ready to assist you no matter where your practice takes you. Therapy Notes allows you to do it all. Whether you're a solo clinician or part of a group practice, you'll have all the tools for success at your fingertips with Therapy Notes. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. And I'm seeing this even come up with people at the end of their careers as well, whether it's health issues that are coming up, uh, worry about retirement, even what to do as far as taking care of their own aging parents. And pretty much at any point throughout your career, there's always a concern about taking care of family, whether it's launching your own family and having kids, any relational issues of your own that might be coming up in your personal life that really does uh, require you to be able to live through Uh, those issues as they come up to embrace taking care of them and being able to compartmentalize them in a healthy enough way to still remain responsible to your clients. Yes, absolutely. What are some signs that somebody might be going through burnout and might need to focus a little bit more on their self-care? That's a good one. I think there's so many different ways that this can show up for different people. But I know for me and a lot of the people I've talked to, secretly hoping that your clients will cancel and then feeling terrified that they canceled because of the financial aspects. And so having this mixed feeling of not wanting to go into work, but wanting to make sure that you're making enough money, having difficulty sleeping, having really poor self-care habits, because you just don't feel like you can do it, just kind of giving up. But I think it's this piece of, of just really physically and emotionally feeling run down a lot of the time. What Even some of the signs that happen before that, the errors that you make mistakes in scheduling, if you double book an hour with multiple clients, if you're falling further and further behind on notes and documentation, if you're showing up late to sessions. Oh, that's a good one. You're making mistakes like forgetting your client's name in the middle of a session or <laughs> leaving your phone on that, uh, that can definitely come up. But uh, then there's also the times where your issues start becoming the focus of a session. And it might not be intentional, but it's where a, a therapist might be starting off trying to empathize with the client through sharing one of their own personal stories that rather than being a nice, succinct couple of sentences that shows an understanding, it now becomes a fully drawn out five minute story with multiple subplots. Yeah, that that's a, a pretty key uh, sign and, and also something that we don't want to be doing with our clients. So as, as burnout happens, as we're looking at taking on uh, self-care in a healthy way, a little bit earlier, you brought up this idea of decadence. What might be some less decadent ways. I mean, I I would love to get a massage every day. I would love to go and just be pampered and taken care of. In the name of self-care or not, those both sound fantastic, but what are some other ways that really would would look at this? Well, I think, I mean, when we're looking at decadence versus day-to-day self-care, I think you're looking at something like taking a weekend away in the mountains or in, you know, a five-star hotel or those kinds of things. Those feel decadent. They feel, I don't even know, like they're event-based 
based self-care versus the day-to-day strategies. And for me, some of it's just having good sleep hygiene, making sure I'm going to bed at the same time and waking up at the same time, eating well, making sure that I have healthy snacks available. I mean, those are basic self-care practices that are really just about doing what you need to do for your physical health on a day-to-day basis. So I think that there's a broad range, but I think making sure that you're taking care of the visceral needs. I always joke with my clients that when they're having a bad day or they're feeling out of sorts, first they want to check to make sure that they've taken care of the toddler and used the restroom, had water, eaten food, gotten a nap if they need it, because those basic needs can kind of overwhelm our ability to cope. And so some basic self-care that I've seen therapists not do is getting sleep, <laughs> eating well, <laughs> drinking enough water. You know, it's it's eating at, you know, reasonable intervals, not eating a handful of nuts within session. It's basic stuff. But I know that that we want to also talk about things that are more than just the basic day-to-day self-care to survive. One of the things that I've even learned about myself is that I'll take a vacation once, maybe even twice a year, depending on if holidays are coming up or life events with within my family. But even the importance of having a day off at the end of my vacation where I'm home and I'm able to get back into my space and my routine rather than jumping right back into the day-to-day aspects of my practice. I think that's a great one. I think there's definitely times when people have wanted to get the most out of their vacation and they come back and are jet lagged for their first day of clients. And it just doesn't make any sense. It's like, yeah, I understand that you wanted more time, but take another day then. And it's hard because each day can mean money. Each day can be hard to justify. You know, I didn't see my clients for two weeks. I really need to get back in and see them. But yeah, being able to to take care of yourself. So when you come back from these kind of event-based, more decadent self-care that you really are able to transition back in. What are some of the more day-to-day kind of self-care practices that you think are, are really effective? You know, it's it's amazing being in this business because I have a very comfortable couch in my office, which is prime for nap time if I need it. Because in the amount of energy that it takes to get my family out the door in the morning, to sit in traffic, to get into the office, to run some of the business practices for several hours before I might even see a client, it's important for me to have just even a little bit of downtime, whether it's taking that nap or whether it's just giving myself the space to not be doing something in those moments. Exercise, stretching. I'm in my mid-30s right now. I've noticed that even being in practice for a couple of years, that if you have the wrong type of chair that you're sitting in, that even at a young age, you can start developing hip and back problems. And this isn't even unique to me, but even some of the people that I was going to grad school with are sending me messages of like, is hip problems like a a occupational hazard of therapy? Yes, it is. And so (laughs) it's being able to physically take care of yourself in the 10 minutes in between sessions of being able to go to the bathroom and do downward facing dog for just (laughs) even a minute. Um, If I can get my notes done while I'm doing downward facing dog even better, I can multitask (laughs) on those, but I'm not quite there in my yoga capabilities right now. Yeah, I think for me, it can also be just taking a moment in between sessions for some mindfulness, some meditation, whether it's legs up the wall for another yoga pose or or even just sitting and, you know, rubbing some lotion into my hands that has, you know, that smells good and kind of doing a little bit of a very present focused mindfulness activity. I think it can be very helpful and very grounding. Thryzer is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. 
as a therapist, you would use Thryzer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate up front. From the client's perspective, Thryzer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thryzer manages the claims end-to-end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thryzer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thryzer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. I know you talk about kind of passive versus active self-care. Tell me what you mean by that, because that's very intriguing to me. There's a a number of speaking engagements that I engage in throughout the year, and a lot of them put me into a position of being on panels with other therapists at a variety of points throughout their career. And I'm noticing more and more of a trend of therapists in either their early or even mid-stage career who, when asked about self-care or how they take care of themselves, there's a trending answer towards, I go home, I turn on Netflix, and I watch whatever shows they're they're bringing on for the day. And to me, this is something that I do, you know, occasionally, maybe even a couple few times a week. But this is really a very sort of passive self-care, that it's not something that you're actively doing to take care of your emotional or physical well-being, that this is something where you're going and just kind of letting the day maybe pass you pass you by or help you decompress, but it's not really actively taking care of yourself. So for me, a active type of self-care is doing something to take that emotional energy that you either have or you don't have, and you're doing something to reset yourself. So this is engaging in exercise or getting involved in some sort of hobby or activity that isn't just you plopping down on a couch and letting the world pass you by a half an hour at a time. I think that's a really good point. I know for me, I definitely am a TV watcher. I enjoy watching different types of TV. I think it can be very seductive to let the day pass you by to just kind of go into, you know, I was, as you were talking, I was thinking about a computer and it's like, it's like going into sleep mode versus hitting the reset and the restart button. I think it's, it's something where, yeah, it's, there's some, some energy that's being preserved and maybe a little bit of energy kind of seeping back in because your body is resting, but it's not actively nourishing yourself in a way that exercise, getting outside, doing a hobby, like those things can actually re-energize and reset versus just kind of hoping that the, the, the power slowly goes back up as you just kind of zone out. And part of this comes from Uh, part of my previous life where I was a marathon runner and I'm still an active marathon coach. But when I talk about uh, self-care and resting within the physical training for, for a marathon, it's not go sit on your couch and watch TV. It's go and stretch, go and do weightlifting, go and ride your bike, go do some sort of cross training to 
add to what you're doing that's not running you through the same cycle over and over and wearing down the same type of, you know, if we're going to put this back into therapy, the same type of emotional stress that you're going through, but do something that adds to you, not just letting you exist through until it's your next day to go to work. I think that's that's so interesting because I know there's definitely days, especially when I've been especially exhausted through the week or that kind of stuff. And so the, a weekend day will happen where I might spend uh, some Netflix binge watching time. And I know at the end of that, there's definitely like, there's a certain point where it's like, okay, that was nice. And then it gets into, I just feel run down and exhausted. And I have basically gone into this mode of feeling... I can't think of another way to describe it. Whereas getting up and doing some gardening or going outside, as you can tell, I like going outside or, or taking, a, taking a walk, going on a hike, doing something that, that helps to reconnect me with myself in my body, moving, experiencing new things potentially writing or reading something that really helps to inspire my creativity. All of those things I think feel much more nourishing is the word I keep coming up with, but they feel so much better than um, just sitting and vegging and letting the day go by or the afternoon or the evening go by. One of the things too that has brought up concerns for me in some of these speaking engagements that I've been in is when therapists are asked what they do for self-care and how readily People are like, wine helps a lot. <laughs> and when you bring up, you know, the number of disciplinary actions that we see related to mm -hmm. drinking and driving, but that as, as caretakers, that we also need to engage in healthy activities that don't rely on us just numbing ourselves out. And mm -hmm. I think that in, in a lot of today's culture regarding wine or craft brews or, you know, kind of these very niche type alcohol markets that it's a opportunity for a very insidious type of bad self-care to get into people's lives and especially therapists' lives. I agree. I think that there are there are different ways that people approach this topic, the, you know, alcohol. And I think for me, I think that they're they're with the craft brews, the the wine culture, that kind of stuff. I think if folks are able to do that with mindfulness, where it, it's a hobby, it's not an escape or a numbing, I think that there there can be something that's there that's positive. But I think when people are like, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, I just need a glass of wine. I think it doesn't necessarily even have to rise to the level of alcoholism. I think it's just this numbing because we are interacting with so much pain and anxiety and depression and trauma that you know, we need to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves with our own therapy, our own cons consultation groups, so that we're not basically taking the pain from our clients and then numbing it in ourselves, because that doesn't help anybody at all. So we're really just suggesting don't just get a bottle of wine and sit in front of Netflix tonight. Yeah, although it does sound fun, it may not be the best choice. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I mean, I think there's a lot of different strategies that we can use. I think we can probably talk all day about different self-care strategies. For me, when I talk to my clients about it or my consulting clients about it, I really talk about proactive versus reactive. And so I just want to kind of mention that because I think oftentimes self-care can be very reactive. I'm feeling overwhelmed, so I'm going to go get a glass of wine. I'm feeling overwhelmed, so I need to take the day off. And I think if we can 
if we can combine both uh, proactive and reactive stuff, I think it can be helpful. So the proactive is the day-to-day practices that you put in place. It's the exercise, the taking care of basic needs. It's giving yourself downtime between sessions. And I think the reactive can be the extra self-care practices, potentially the event-based ones, going to the spa and getting the manicure, the massage. And, and the, the things that when, when we have troubling events happen in the world, when we have a particularly hard week, difficult client material, difficult life stuff that we add to the already proactive self-care. Because I think too often we don't take care of the proactive stuff. We don't do the day-to-day stuff. And then the reactive stuff is all we do and it's not sufficient. So proactive isn't, I'm going to be stressed later and buying the wine before you go to work. <laughs> That's not what I meant, but yes, yes, you're right. It's not about getting ready for your reactive, uh, your reactive self-care. It's really about making sure that you continue to give yourself as much care that you need so that you can avoid some of the, the burnout and the stress and that kind of stuff. Because I think if we can avoid it versus having to kind of treat it afterwards, it's way better. I'm reminded of, uh, there was a basketball player several years ago. Uh, his name's Ray Allen. And when he went into the NBA, uh, there was several other players who were giving him a very hard time about one of his weekly routine things was to go get a pedicure and a manicure, which in a very male-dominated environment is kind of a fairly feminine aspect. And his entire reasoning was, if I take care of the little things, the big things get taken care of too. And for somebody who relies on their body um, from their fingertips through all of their gross motor muscles. Uh, he was a very successful player for several years, won championships. Uh, in in our lives, it's really taking care of the little things in, in our practice. It's if you need a neat office, it's making sure that that stuff is taken care of well before your client comes in. It's taking care of the things that creep up in your mind and, and being able to really make sure that you feel taken care of before you take care of other people. I think that's a really good place for us to wrap up because I think for me, being able to remind yourself on a day-to-day basis that in order to care for others, you need to take care of yourself. It's so critical. And it's looking at how do I set the schedule so I can incorporate these practices? How do I figure out what really fills me up and nourishes me so I do those active things in any way that I can? And being able to to have some of those additional, more decadent self-care practices come in when life's getting a little bit tough or work's getting tough. Absolutely. So to you, Katie, and to all of you listening to this, go and take care of yourselves and have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. Thanks to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, use promo code MODERN for two free months. Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions.